Hey everybody, Ramey here. Um, I hope you're doing well today. So we are in week six of being off from school for the coronavirus. I shouldn't say off from school. I'm in week six of being home from the coronavirus, which is just absolutely crazy. So as I have with my other kind of video cast, my live things that I've been doing over the last few weeks, what I want to talk about is what I've been up to. Um, I want to talk about uh, what's going on in education. And I want to talk about kind of what's been happening in the world. Like, what are we, what, and what's happening in North Carolina, what's happening locally. So, what have I been up to? So, things have been really, really, really busy this week. It's just been crazy. I mean, it's Friday afternoon and I'm finally getting this. I've been meaning to do this since Monday. I just have not had time this week. Um, things have been absolutely hectic. It's the last week of classes. So that's making things absolutely insane. I mean, as I've been saying in my other videos, my job has, my workload has increased significantly due to this. So I've been dealing with classes, dealing with advisees, students, all this professor stuff, trying to wrap students up, making sure they're gonna finish. So this is our last week of classes, although I've extended my class a little bit into finals week so that the students could have some extra, a couple extra days to finish their projects because I think they deserved it after the semester they've had. Um, and so there's that. Then, um, so finals week is next week. I've got a bunch of final projects, capstones, students wrapping stuff up. I can't wait till this is all done. I need this semester to be done because I have so much I want to do. So many cool ideas, so many fun things I want to do. Like I want to make, there's so many cool videos and just tutorials I need to make. Um, I need to start prepping for my summer courses because I'm going to be teaching two courses this summer. So that's like my schedule, like workload normally. I mean, this is all like normal stuff. Dealing with meetings, dealing with issues, this, that, and the other thing. Well, okay. I mean, that's it. Um, so that's kind of what's been happening with me as far as like work-wise. Um, now, like being home, like I can tell you, like my children, I feel like their K to 12 teachers are finally putting more into their online courses. So one of the issues I've been seeing, and I'm going to make a video on this next week or maybe even this weekend, there seems to be a big disconnect between what quality good online education is and what the education system is facing right now. Because good quality online education is something that people learn how to do. They use standards, there's quality checks. Good quality online education is just as good as face-to-face, -face, if not better. I actually personally find it better. I used to hate it. I used to hate online education. I actually love it now. I've, I've found over the years how to make my classes are so much more organized. I feel like my students like it. It's so much easier for them, assuming they have a lot of self-motivation. Um, one of the big things that I've found in um, online classes, it, it, it does require a lot of self-motivation to do well in an online class. Now, what's happening in K-12 education and a lot of higher ed right now is that all of a sudden, teachers who had prepped to teach face-to-face, -face, who have been trained to teach face-to-face, -face, who were expecting to teach face-to-face, -face, all of a sudden, just all that's thrown completely out of the window, and they're basically told guess what, uh, you are teaching online, hey, good luck. I mean, they're given no direction, they do not have help. And why don't they have direction or help? 
because the school districts don't have money to go hire instructional designers. I'm an instructional designer and I teach people how to do this professionally. I can tell you that this, my graduates are making like starting at 70 grand a year. They would not accept a job for under 100 after several years of experience, 135, $150,000. School districts do not have money to pay these people to come in and train their teachers how to develop quality online courses. So we cannot and should not expect our teachers to do that, to have these amazing online courses. The other thing about that you have to think about is that the teachers didn't have like, when I'm prepping an online class, it takes me like a solid month of full-time work to develop a course. The teachers in some cases were given a weekend or maybe a week if they were lucky over their spring break, which is a, was supposed to be a working break for them. And now all of a sudden they're putting classes online that they don't even know how to do. They don't have the materials for it. Half the time they don't have the computer for it or the technology. Um, so, you know, we cannot expect, we cannot compare what's happening right now with quality online courses. Now, this is going to make for a lot of really interesting research, like what are teachers doing? And they've been put into this impossible situation, so they're doing the best they can. But we cannot expect that this is the best quality research. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you, you know, I'll give you a very clear example. It would be like you comparing the video I'm making right now or any of my videos to what like ABC is producing. Like their videos are gonna blow anything I can create out of the water. Cause they have the technology, the resources, the backing, the training, they're doing it all the time. Whereas I'm sitting at home doing this stuff. So that's what you're, I mean, you cannot, we cannot compare, we cannot compare quality good online courses that are planned to throwing teachers and expecting them to be able to do it on a whim. Um, add in all the stress that's happening and it's just multiplied, you know, that whole factor is multiplied. So think about all of that. You know, we really need to think about all of that. I'm gonna create a full video on that next week or this weekend about this issue, because I think it's a very important topic um, that I've been seeing. So having said that, um, my kids, I think are doing really well. I think they're enjoying what their teachers are doing. They're doing work, maybe like an hour to two hours of work per day for a third and first grader. I think that's, pretty good. I don't think they can handle any more. And we're have, we're also like doing a lot of stuff with them. Like, well, my wife is doing most of it, but like we're doing, you know, in addition to that schoolwork, we're doing art projects with them. I've had them painting on canvases and painting on various things. My wife is taking them for a mile walk around our pond every day. Um, just things like that, like for exercise, like we're, we're taking them for hide and seek every night. Um, so we're doing fun stuff like that with them to make them feel like they're part of the school day. We're letting them talk to their friends on Messenger. So I think that it's actually, they've kind of gotten complacent and used to what they're doing. So I think it's all going a little better. Um, so, you know, that's happening. I think one of the things my kids enjoy most right now is when they're doing Zoom classes with their class, their full class or part of their class. I th we've noticed that their, uh, their happiness and satisfaction and mood changes significantly after they have a Zoom session with their teacher and other students. So I think that's one of the things I'm learning and observing from my kids that is a very, very important part of what needs to happen in a time like this with educators. And that's really difficult in districts where students don't 
potentially have computers or access to internet. So I think that that presents a challenge because it's something that I'm noticing my kids cherish and are taking advantage of and really enjoy. Okay, so that's kind of what's been happening in education. As far as like state of the country um, and like what's happening with like all the coronavirus stuff, well, I guess in education first, start of what's happening with coronavirus is, so first of all, my university, most universities have all decided that they're gonna be online in the summer session and I'm online all the time, so this doesn't affect my program whatsoever um, or my students because they're planning to be online in the fall, next spring, all the time, so it doesn't matter. But um, you know, the big concern is what's going to happen in the fall. So right now, some, I know in the Northeast, they're probably going to be online. But they're getting hit very hard with coronavirus compared to what the South is getting. That doesn't mean the South isn't going to get it in the next week or something like that. I we have no idea. But as of right now, it looks like the South is getting it less, probably because things are spread out more. Um, there's not as, you know, the cities in the South are getting hit very hard, but it's also warmer weather, which, you know, we do know in some ways lowers contagiousness. We just don't know if that's a significant amount or not, but we know it does help somewhat. We just don't know how much. Um, so, you know, we have that. And basically we're, you know, as of right now, the North Carolina system has set and a few other systems out there have said we are going to, you know, we're planning on going back in the fall, which I think is great. I think we should be planning to go back in the fall right now. I think we're at a point right now where we should be planning to go back in the fall and say to ourselves, how are we gonna safely, safely go back in the fall semester? Like what kind of things can we do to, you know, decrease virus transmission, make sure students are social distancing, but have them back and make things as normal as possible given the current situation that we're in. Um, so I'm glad that that's the discussion right now. And obviously I think it's too early, way too early to call a fall semester. We're in May 1st. We're literally talking about four months away, th three and a half months away. We cannot plan for three and a, three and a half months ago, three and a half months ago, nobody that I know in America besides the preppers, which is a community I associate myself with, was talking about this virus. We were normal everything. Um, so we can't prepare for three and a half months from now. We can, I mean, we can prepare, but I don't wanna make, I don't think we should be making major decisions for three months from now, unless we absolutely have to. So I'm glad, I'm actually very glad to see the state of North Carolina as one of the states that's planning on a fall semester, coming up with a plan, how do we do this safely? I think that's, great i love to see that it gives me some hope um because i think we need our spirits lifted right now i think this is a time where that's very important i think that people need that they need to hear that i want to know that maybe there's a possibility my kids are going to be going back to school in the fall semester so i like to hear that we're talking about that right now and that we're not making any decisions right now either because it would be very disappointing to have canceled it already when everything might be fine then so you know Let's hope for the best. So that's kind of like the big like concern. This is the stuff people are talking about. Now let me talk about the state of the country a little bit and kind of what I'm observing. You know, I, I like to observe a lot and reflect on what's happening. Um, so what I'm seeing is interesting. So I'm talking to, I talk to my friends in the Northeast um, 
and just people I know, my friends and family, because I'm from there. You know, my wife's from New Jersey, I'm from Pennsylvania, so we have lots of connections in these areas. And it's interesting, the mood and discussions in that area of the country are significantly different than the mood and discussions I have where I'm living in North Carolina and what seems the South and Midwest. The discussions are very, very, very different. Um, and let me give you an example. In the Northeast, it seems like everyone is very concerned about the virus. Um, people do not want things to open back up until we're ready. Um, people are scared for their loved ones or themselves um, about the virus. It's everyone knows people that have had it. Everyone probably knows people that have passed from the disease. Um, it's extremely it's a very crazy thing to talk about. Um, it's like, you know, when, when Hurricane Florence hit Wilmington and people would talk to me, it was like real because they were talking to me. When I'm talking to my friends in New York City and stuff, it's real talking to them. Um, I just talked to one of my good friends today who has been, was, had coronavirus. Fortunately, they were okay, um, but they did have flu-like symptoms for three weeks. Um, really crazy just to hear about their experience. Um, with that and to be glad that they are okay and stuff. Um, they were someone I was just thinking about because they are in New York City. So, you know, everyone who's kind of like where it's happening is very concerning to me. I wanna make sure that people I know are okay. I mean, I'm, as is natural, I'm sure everyone wants to know that where their family, friends, and loved ones are. So um, it was reassuring to hear that they are okay. but. You know, it's just, it's interesting to talk to them. So when I talk to people in the South, at least where I am, and I'm seeing this in like the Western part of Pennsylvania where I am, I lived in Pittsburgh before, I'm seeing this there as well. It seems like the, the attitude is less, is more like the virus is, I don't want to say it's a hoax, but I think that's kind of what I'm getting, that it's not it's either not as bad as we thought it was going to be. This is the discussion. The discussion is it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be, that it, it's not really real, that it's a big... There's a number of different conspiracies that these people are um, buying into and that we really, really, really the, the, just need to open up. It's unconstitutional that we are closed down right now. Um, so those are the, kind of the two sides of the discussion that I'm seeing right now. And it's really interesting to see and hear from all angles of the spectrum, all people. It seems like a lot of people are letting their political beliefs get mixed in about who they're voting for, who's president or governor or whatever. And, you know, I don't like to see that. I don't like to see emotions and, like, beliefs like that, like... I don't like, I, I, I'm a person that cares about like what's going on, what's the issue, how do we solve the problem. I could care less if someone tells me what political part of the spectrum they're on. It doesn't really matter. Usually when you talk one-on-one -on -one people, you realize like Democrat, Republican, most of them have a lot of the same beliefs. They just express them a little differently. So let me talk about like some of my thoughts about like the current situation and some of the things happening. So first of all, um, as far as like these off the wall conspiracies, virus being a hoax, that kind of stuff, no, that's, those are incorrect. In general, when you're trying to figure something out, the most likely explanation is probably the correct one. That's the same with this virus. Um, 
are the models changing? Are things scientists are saying from even two weeks ago changing? Yes. And that's to be 100% expected. You have to remember, we don't, this virus is 100% brand new. We knew nothing about it three months ago. So every single day, a scientist is learning a new thing about it. We're trying to figure out the death rate. We're trying to figure out every single thing about it. What is the mortality? What is the infection rate? Why are some people getting symptoms and others not? And what percentage of that? And what percentage of people are dying versus not? And what are the pre-exists? We really don't know. We're, we're taking the data that we can get and we're trying to make sense of it every single day. That's why it's consistently changing. So it's not like a big conspiracy that scientists all banded together and like said, hey, we're gonna make up this thing and like we're gonna trick everyone. That's not how it works. That's not what's happening here whatsoever. So we have to remember that. Okay, so having said that part of what I wanted to say, um, as far as reopening, I think that we need to start thinking about how do we reopen what can be reopened what's going to change how do we how do we reopen and remain safe protect those who are most vulnerable what kind of things can we do and i think what our leader what i'd really like to see our leaders do is educate the populace unfortunately they've done a terrible job at the state and federal level have not done a good job with this virus of really educating and i think it's one of the things they should focus on is how do we educate everyone to be safe when we're out and about? Like, I still see people posting like masks don't work and masks are fake. Like I'm, I'm seeing that kind of stuff posted on Facebook and stuff and it could, nothing could be further from the truth. Every research study has always said that masks work and are beneficial. The reason that officials were saying not to use masks two months ago is because there was they didn't think that there were any cases in the United States, so they didn't think the masks would actually be preventing anything, and they also didn't want the public to go out and hoard them all. So there were two reasons for that. Um, so it's not just like they were just, they thought, and they also didn't really know that the virus was airborne. They didn't really know how it was transmitted. You have to remember, like, we didn't know stuff. So as we, we're learning, recommendations and things will change. Um, and me personally, I like to err on the side of caution. Um, that doesn't mean I want the economy destroyed um, whatsoever. So, like, I think that we need to, I think there's a combination of things. I think, first of all, the stimulus packages that have been passed, unfortunately, have been going to large companies and not helping small businesses and people out of work. So I think we need to figure out, like, there's a bunch of things that need to be figured out right now. One of them is, how do we open up safely? What can, what can be opened up? Like, I can tell you that I'm not going, going to be going to stores, either as my family. Like, we're not going to be going anywhere inside right now. Um, so, like, there's a lot of people like me who aren't going to be going somewhere. So what can be opened up that's actually going to be profitable? And how can restaurants open back up and become profitable? Because we need to figure out those models so these places still have money and still have business. So I think that we as a society, I think each business individually, I think local and state governments need to help provide guidance as to how to open up, how to do this stuff safely. That means we need to have proper masks, we need to have proper cleaning equipment, we need to have proper testing and tracing of the virus, um, and this stuff needs to be provided to these places. Additionally, the people who are out of work from this right now, we need to ensure that they have support 
from the government, whether that's unemployment, I mean, I'm seeing people that can't get onto the website and apply, like we gotta fix those issues. You know, I see that we're giving like the LA Lakers millions of dollars, they returned it, but like how is that happening when like the small business owner down the street from me can't even apply for the loan? Like there are a lot of issues and we really need to work from this, you know, what is the, who are the people hurting? That's who needs to be helped. So we need to come up with a good strategy and I'd really love to see our leaders come up with that and really educate the populace and come up with a solid, like we really need a federal plan for opening up. I hate that we have 50 states and that means 50 different plans for opening up. I get that it needs to be locally and we can't just open up everything at once everywhere. Um, but I think that the U.S. is coming together. I have faith that we're doing an okay job. Um, I think we're doing much better than I thought. Um, my biggest concern is that I feel like a lot of the conspiracies that are out there are going to end up hurting a lot of people. Um, in that I think, I think some people have are under the impression that the virus either isn't as bad or isn't going to affect them personally and some stuff like that. And I think what's going to happen is th some of those people are going to end up infecting themselves badly or infecting others like doctors or someone who didn't need to be infected because these people just didn't take any precaution. They kind of don't care or assume that it's a hoax kind of thing or have whatever conspiracy of the, the week is that they have is going to make them think that this isn't real. And so they're not going to take any precaution. Um, and I think that's concerning. I think we need to ensure that everyone is on the same page. Like, look, this can be serious. If you're going to go to a store, you wear a mask. You wash your hands. This is how you clean your phone. we got to provide people with soap and cleaning supplies and show them. Washing your hands isn't that. It's, you know, it's 20, 30 seconds of rubbing in between the finger, all that, you know, up the arm. Like, it's, it's a process. And we need to make sure that people know how to do that. So... You know, I, I think that we need <clears throat> to ensure that we are educating the populace like that so that things can move forward. So that's kind of like my big, you know, thing I had to say. I, I, I am concerned that we're like doing an experiment in the South. We're just going to be opening things up and seeing what happens. I'm hoping for the best. I'd really love to see like the beaches open up at least. Like I get, and unfortunately people are going to go ruin it. Like just go there to exercise. Like... But I'd really like to get back into surfing. I've been trying to work out. I've been running and lifting in my I've been lifting in my garage, running out, you know, in my neighborhood and around the pond and stuff like that. Um, I'd really like to get to the beach to start surfing. But you know, I'm talking about like a first world problem. Like it's not a concern of mine. It's just I'd like to be able to do it. Um, but we need to figure out a way to make sure people are supported during this time. I think is the really big thing. I think a lot of people are just getting anxious that they're not getting any money and they're not getting any support or help. And I think that's a very big problem that we need to change. Um, so I'd really like to see, you know, state and federal leadership step up and help those people who are asking for help. Um, anyway, I think that's about it. Give me any comments if you have any thoughts about anything I said. I hope you guys had a good week. I hope that you're going to have a good weekend. I hope it's beautiful outside this weekend and you're, you know, everyone's healthy and you can get out and enjoy it um, you know as I've said I'm creating these updates so that I can go back sometime and reflect on all the things that have happening and look at like what I'm what am I feeling and what, what's happening um, so if I go back and do a research paper on this I have a test subject myself
Um, and yeah, that's about it. So have a good day, everyone. Have a good weekend. I hope you have a good next week. I'm going to be super busy next week wrapping things up. And then I'm going to finally be able to breathe a little bit. All right, y'all. Have a good day.